the truth might be the right thing to say, but faking it could make you a millionaire. And then we take a look at a listener-submitted story about a young man who was just trying to get some sleep one night and had a series of paranormal encounters keep him awake. That would be odd enough. But when he finds out that other members of the household had similar experiences, it points to something other than it was all just a dream. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons. You see him every night when you look up at the sky. It's Moon Man. Go ahead, give it up to Moon Man. It's not the actual moon. The actual astronomical body is not supporting the show, but it might someday. Moon Man, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Thank you for your continued support. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. So, Moon Man, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are going to take a drive out to Cardiff, New York. Cars driving off. We also got to go back in time, so hit that back in time button. We're going back to the year 1869. It's October 16th, 1869. So, it's almost close to the anniversary. Probably could have waited for the story, but I'm not going to. We're already there. We're already hopping out of the Jason Jalopy. We're in Cardiff, New York. We see some guys digging a well up on a hill. So we're going to walk up there. We're wearing old-timey clothing. They just wore rags back then. Walking around in our rags. And they look at us and they're like, dude, what are you? What are you? A bunch of orphans? Here, buy some real clothes. But while we're at the store buying real clothes, we actually missed the beginning of the story. We have a montage where we're trying on new outfits. While we were doing that, these guys continued to dig the well. And then they end up sticking their shovel into the dirt. And it goes, chink! Hit something, and they're like, what? What's this? Shink, 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 shink. They keep trying to do it. It won't work. Shovels aren't made to go through giants. When they finally dig around whatever this hard object is, they uncover the fossilized body of a 10-foot-tall human. They're looking at it, and they're like, oh, my God. The other guy goes, I know. I've never seen anything that big before. Dude's like, me neither. Now, they're not looking at the giant, because I'll tell you this. When you look at a photo of this giant, there's only one thing that you notice on this thing, right? Because by maybe a giant human, may not be. We'll get to that in a second. But this episode's not appropriate for kids. Get him out, get him out before I finish this next sentence. It's a 10-foot-tall, giant, fossilized human. And it's male, obviously, because its penis has to be close to two feet long. Like, disproportionately large. I don't care if you're 10 feet. It shouldn't be 2 feet long. It shouldn't. It it breaks all the laws of science. So everyone's looking at this giant fossilized human, but really they're only looking at 2 feet of it. Oh my god, this this is insane. Let's cover it up. Let's make sure that the ladies of the area don't see this. And let's also report that we found a giant. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, this was a total hoax. They actually did find this thing, but I'm not going to build the story up as leading you on. This was 100% a hoax. This guy hatched a plan to bury a giant fossil in the shape of a human in the ground. 
And the fact that it's a hoax, I think, is far more fascinating than the fact that people actually fell for the hoax. So what happened was there in 1868, so a year before, there was a dude named George Hull. He was a tobacconist and an avowed atheist. And one day he gets in this really long argument with this local Christian dude about Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, which we've actually done a whole episode on this show about the Nephilim, the giants that used to walk along Earth. So we have this Christian guy going, oh yeah, yeah, dude, back in the day, like, there's a bunch of giants walking around, and then that's why God caused the flood. And George Hull's like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. And the Christian guy says, well, it's in the Bible, so it had to be true. And they get this huge argument about this, and it really puts a seashell under George Hull's slippers. He can't let it go. He thinks that's the dumbest thing. He's an atheist, so he thinks a lot of parts of the Bible are pretty dumb, right? But this one, he's like, what are you talking about? So he gets this thing in his head, and he decides to build the giant. He goes, I'm going to trick this dude. I'm going to trick everybody. I'm going to trick everybody. So he ends up buying a giant piece of gypsum. It cost him a total of $2,600 from start to finish to make this plan work. In today's money, $49,000 for a prank. See what I mean? The hoax is way funnier than people actually falling for this. This dude dropped the equivalent of $49,000 to pull this off. They carved the statue. The first thing they did was carve the statue. And I can just imagine the sculpture would be like, so how, how big do you want its dick? And he's like, I'll tell you when. Just keep chiseling. I'll tell you when. Ching, 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 ching. Sculpture's looking at George Hole. George Hole has a big smile on his face. He's like... I haven't said when yet. Ching, 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 ching. His hand, the sculpture's hands are starting to cramp up. Oh man, how big is this thing going to be? They end up like taking brushes and putting fake pores in the skin. They're making it look as realistic as possible. They wanted this to really fool people. It wasn't just a statue of David, like perfectly posed. It was this dude. And it's so funny because his hands are like covering his waist. But they're not covering his junk. That's fully exposed. They put fake stains on it. They age it. It's supposed to look like a fossilized human. And what happens is George Hole contacts his cousin, William Stubb Newell. Stubb was the nickname he went by. Probably because he wasn't hung like the Cardiff Giant. Nobody is, by the way. All that porn, if you believe that porn is real, Transformers are real. TIE Fighters exist. It's all camera angles and special effects. But anyways... That aside aside, Stubb probably did feel a little... I think everyone felt a little uncomfortable around the Cardiff Giant. George Hole goes to his cousin Stubb and says, Hey, listen, I'm running this huge thing. It's going to be so funny. We're going to bury this dude, and then you hire some guys to dig a well on your property, and you happen to find it. I'll cut you in on the deal. And Stubb's like, what do you mean cut me in on the deal? And at this point, George Hole's like... This started off as a joke, but I think we could actually make some real cash. Specifically, specifically more than $49,000, because that's how much I'm putting into this thing. They end up digging it up, and they put it on display. We found the giant, everyone. Come on down. Genesis 6-4 is actually real. You want biblical proof? It's going to cost you five bucks. Stubb and George are kind of looking at each other, and they're like, well, I hope we get enough rubes you know, to pay five bucks. There were so many people lined up to see this thing. Lots of, lots of housewives, a lot of housewives, by the way. So many people were going to see this thing. They very quickly raised it to $10 a pop. 
it's funny because when I was reading up on this, it said that they ended up selling the statue to, quote, a syndicate of five men headed by David Hannum, which I read as a five-headed man, which would have been infinitely more interesting because you figure circus freaks run, run in packs, right? So a five-headed man's like, that'll go great in my sideshow alongside me, the five-headed man. But no, it was just five men in a syndicate. They paid $23,000 to buy this statue. Not $23,000 in today's money. $23,000 in old-timey money. Remember, from beginning to end, it cost them $2,600 in old-timey money to do this thing. Now they're being offered $23,000. Just from the sale alone. Just from the sale alone of this statue. They made the equivalent of $400,000 today. That doesn't include all the tickets they were selling to come in and look at the eighth wonder of the world and the ninth wonder that's right below his waist. So now David Hannum has this statue. He's working for the syndicate. He has this giant... It is a statue, but people... They didn't reveal it was fake. They just sold this thing to Hannum. People at this point were getting suspicious. One of the things... This is funny how hoaxes work. One of the things people were suspicious about was that where they dug it up from wasn't a good place for a well. You had the you had the the skeptics go, that's weird. You shouldn't have built a well there. Why would they have dug it up there? But at that point, it's not Hole and Stubbs' problem. They're swimming around Scrooge McDuck style in their money. David Hannum has it. P.T. Barnum shows up at this point because he's running around abusing animals, hurting circus freaks with shock collars around the country. He goes, I want to buy that giant from you. And Hannum's like, no way. This thing is worth way too much money. They're not thinking about the biblical or archaeological implications of this thing. This thing is worth a ton of money. What P.T. Barnum does is he sends a guy in all sneaky, right? There's like a guy, he's like, oh yeah, I love the Bible. It's my favorite thing. And he's like carrying a giant thing of wax because he ends up making a wax mold of the Cardiff giant and then bring, I don't know how he did this. I don't know if he's like, hey, everyone, look. Out in that direction, there's a five-headed man, and everyone turns around for 30 minutes as he's covering it in wax. But somehow he gets a wax mold of this, brings it back to P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum makes his own Cardiff Giant, and then says that the one that Hannum has is fake. So a legal battle ensues over which one is the real giant from biblical times. And someone asked, hey, so what do you think about people going to go see P.T. Barnum's Cardiff Giant? They say yours is fake. David Hannum says, quote, there's a sucker born every minute. That's actually his quote in regards to this story. A lot of times that's misappropriated to P.T. Barnum, but David Hannum said it in this context. He had the real one, and those suckers want to go see P.T. Barnum's one. Well, that's up to them. They're wasting money. They're not seeing the real one. December 10th, 1869, Hole actually comes forward and says, they're both fake. I mean, unless P.T. Barnum dug something up, they're both fake. I made the one. I t he totally admits to the scheme. He's probably fanning himself with money while he's doing it, riding a bunch of camels and stuff like that. I don't know why that means you're rich if you're riding more than one camel. And what's funny is that then both statues become curiosities. You can see them today. They're both still around. There's one in Farmington, Michigan at Marvin's Marvelous Mechanical Museum. That's the one that was originally dug up on Stubbs' property. 
And the replica, the one P.T. Barnum made, is at the Fort Museum in Frontier Village in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Now there are more curiosities of, of the hoax. That's what I think is so funny about this story. It doesn't seem like people were mad, right? Their, their, their wives were very happy. They spent a, a beautiful day out with their wives. Their wives are happy. They got to see a curiosity. Nowadays, people go see them to look at a time when this massive hoax took place. There's still these tourist trap type things. I think the story is so funny because it shows, it is true, that you can make so much more money faking stuff. You can make money by telling truth. Let's say that you believe that UFOs are abducting people. You can make money writing books about that, spending years researching, going out to the middle of Iowa, talking to a farmer who got abducted, and then traveling to Chicago, talking to someone who got attacked by Mothman, corresponding with people online, waiting for responses from a 69-year-old guy whose internet keeps cutting in and out because aliens are abducting him while he's trying to email you back. You can do that, or you just make it up, right? You can just make it up and make tons of money. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but... I, I get, because I, I cover this stuff, I read this stuff all the time, I get advertisements on YouTube for the weirdest things. First off, I get a lot of advertisements for schizophrenia medication. So there's that. That's not a joke. Like, for the longest time, it was last summer, all summer long, I'd be watching Omrucker play Dead by Daylight, and then the advertisement would come up and it'd be like, the visions got darker by the day. And I'm like, what is, I don't have schizophrenia. I don't have schizophrenia. I would see schizophrenia ads all the time on YouTube. But I also see a lot of ads for um, like new age shows, a lot of new age stuff. And there's one where this guy's like, I don't know the guy. I don't, I mean, I obviously don't know the guy. I wasn't born in Atlantis like he was, but there's this guy who has a show on some uh, new age network or something like that. It might be Gaia. I'm not for sure. But on this advertisement, he's like, so I was born in Atlantis. I was born in Atlantis, and this is how society was set up, and it was super peaceful. It was way better than you guys have it nowadays. We were the best. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, no, you weren't, bro. You weren't born in Atlantis. You were not born in Atlantis. Now, you might be able to sue me. You might be able to get the Atlantean Defense League to come after me. They're all riding their seahorses, and the seahorses are drying up right when they get to the courthouse. And I'm like, <laughs> but they still sue me for $100 million. People did not live in Atlantis and are around today. And if they were, they wouldn't be talking about it on YouTube. You would be in some government <laughs> laboratory somewhere. They're trying to figure out your fish brain. That's just, it's not... <sighs> That's, come on, man. Like, I get it. Like, people will make up stories about UFO abductions and stuff like that for attention or for money to sell books and things like that. And that, that at least is in the realm of possibility because I do believe people do get abducted by aliens. I don't know what the mechanism is. I don't know if it's, you know, government-controlled UFOs and they're disguised as aliens. I actually haven't gone into a lot of my theories about alien abduction. I do believe it's a real event, but I don't know. I don't know. See, there's a lot of questions I don't know. However, I do know that the dude who has the YouTube show is not from Atlantis. Like, I okay, let's put it, I'm pretty sure, right? I could be wrong, like I was wrong with the Forrest Finn thing, although I might have been right about that. The, now there's a bunch of other weird news coming out about that. But here's the thing. I've thought, I've honestly thought about this from time to time. I've thought I could stop doing the show tomorrow and then just start making stuff up. 
and do a totally different show. Because I wouldn't want to lie to you guys, right? What I would do is I would stop doing the show and be like, hey guys, sorry, it's been a great run. 535 episodes is great. I love you guys. Hope to see you around. Stay safe. And then I would be totally silent, right? And then like maybe a year from now, one of you guys would be like scrolling through YouTube. <laughs> you see me or you see like me. I'm, I'm dressed as the Cardiff Giant. That's my disguise. You would hear my voice doing something and you're like, wait, what? Thought Jason, what? What's this? Why do I hear Jason? And I'm like, I was born on the eighth astral plane of Ashtar, and I've come to give you life advice. You see my eyes shift from side to side. Uh, don't pollute. Be good to each other. Eat healthy. And other platitudes. <laughs> you look and it has like 52 million views. Just raking in the money. I'm going to conventions being like, hey, everyone straight from Ashtar Command. It's not Jason Carpenter because he's using a different name now. And I walk in on stage and you're in the audience. You're like, I know. I used to listen to his show. I used to listen to his show. And there's a bunch of Atlanteans walking towards you. They're wearing their bubble helmets so they can breathe on land and they're grabbing you. You're like, no, no, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. And I'll just be standing up there, my arms crossed, shaking my hand. I'm like, the non-believers out there. They want to pollute. They want to think bad thoughts. They don't believe in platitudes. And everyone's just booing you as you're getting dragged out to an aquatic prison. I've thought about that from time to time. Not in such detail. <laughs> Not in such detail. I haven't planned out what sort of octopus-type torture is going to happen to my enemies. I have a ton of fun doing this show. But it's so funny because if I just started making stuff up, if I 100% stopped doing Dead Rabbit Radio, made up, Pleiadius radio or something like that and was just lying to people about stuff that I know was fake, I would be raking enough money. I'd be making so much money. It's so funny. You can make more money, I believe. You can make more money hoaxing people because it takes no work at all. It takes no work at all. The moral of the card of giant is you can you can make money telling the truth. It's hard to make money being skeptical. Because no one buys, this is something I heard a long time ago, no one buys a book saying UFOs don't exist, which is true. Very hard to make money being skeptical. You can make money telling the truth, and that's I think, is the most noble way to do it, but it, it's harder. It's harder because you have to find the truth. And sometimes the answer is, I don't know, I don't know. How, how many episodes do I end and go, I don't know, I have no idea. Like, let's put on our conspiracy cap, but I don't really know. But if I just made stuff up, if I was investing $4,300 in building a giant, I could rip people off for days. And you could too. But I'm going to tell you this. If you guys do start hoaxing and making money and become millionaires from this, the only thing I ask, because I'm giving you this advice (laughs) to deceive people, the only thing I ask is that you tell me, you don't have to give me none of your money, but you tell me, hey, this is fake. Don't cover it on your show. Because five years from now, I'd still like to be doing the show, but I don't want to be doing the show if all I'm doing is covering every listener's hoaxes that they've pulled off. That's actually a great transition. Moon Man, let's go ahead and hop in that Carpenter Copter. We are headed out to a sleepy little house in a small town. Now, I, this is a weird segue. I don't believe this story is fraudulent. So this story was sent to me from a listener called Pato, and I don't believe it's fraudulent, Um, and I want to make that clear. That was a weird transition there, but it is a listener-generated story, which I've had a few of. We're going out to this small little town. There's a boy named Pato. He's actually a young man. He's a long-time listener, though. He's been listening to the show for a while. 
This actually happened very recently, September 22nd. He emailed me pretty much right after it happened. It's midnight and Pato goes to sleep. Pato means duck, by the way, so feel free to imagine a duck, a duck in all these adventures. Pato is going to sleep. Moon Man's tucking him in. Little feather is blowing in and out of his mouth. He probably should get that checked out from a doctor. And Pato has a dream. He's at a video game convention. He's at a video game showcase. And he's walking around. He's begging people for free stuff. Because he says that's what he normally does at conventions anyways. is try to get free swag. Eventually, the convention ends. And people start to kind of funnel out. And he sees a couch in the back. So he goes and he lays down. This is all. A, this part is a dream. So just so we're clear, it's not really a duck walking around a video game convention. Or a duck at all. It's a human being. But he lays down on a couch, face down. And while he's laying there, he hears like normal conversation, video game convention stabber just kind of talking about planning the next convention. And he has his eyes closed and he's just laying there on the couch. And then he said a warning screen appears that completely covers his vision. So like a screen that would pop up if you're watching television, a movie, a video game, a, a warning screen pops up. He said there was a weird symbol in the middle of it. And on the screen, it said, blank aren't real. And he goes, I didn't know what the word actually said. Something aren't real. He's laying on this couch in this dream, and he, he kind of chuckles to himself. It's weird. It's a funny message. His brain understood the message, but he couldn't really process it. And then he realizes he's not laying on a couch. He's laying on a mattress in a place he knew as a child. And the convention staff has been replaced by his parents. And he hears them talking about just mundane things. He's laying face down on this mattress. The warning screen appears again, completely covering up his vision. And this time he can read the message. Girls aren't real. But this time he doesn't laugh. For some reason, he feels terror begin to well up inside of him. Fear. Horror. Girls aren't real. He wakes up. He is fully awake at this point in his bedroom. And he hears the howl of a loud dog somewhere in the house. He's sitting there in the darkness and he realizes he has three dogs. But they're tiny dogs. And he says, none of my dogs can make a noise that I heard. The way his bedroom is situated is his bed is pressed against the wall. And he's laying basically in the middle of his bed. So there's space in front of him, there's space behind him. And he's just laying there kind of frozen, trying to make sense of what that noise was. The dream is still kind of haunting him, but now he's being confronted with a real-life noise. And then... He hears the bed frame creak. He's heard that noise before. He hears it every time he gets into bed. With his back to the wall, he can feel the mattress begin to push down and then feel it push down a little bit closer and then a little bit closer. Something is moving along the mattress of his bed between his body and the wall. He can feel the mattress moving. He has a cat and he's thinking, it's my cat. Has to be my cat. But he can't bear to turn around to verify that. So he's still laying there and he's thinking, my bedroom window's shut. My door's shut. It can't be my cat. It has to be my cat. It can't be my cat. And he feels this thing moving 
up the mattress. At that point, whatever it is, is nestled between the wall and his back. And he's laying there in the darkness, and he feels his blanket slowly start to slide off his body. Not from the feet off the bottom of the bed, as if something was laying behind him, grabbing his blanket and slowly pulling it off of his body. His instinct is to beat the ever-living nuggets out of this thing, right? But his mind is thinking, it might be your cat. He closes his eyes, contemplating his next move. And he begins to see video... This is how he described it. He begins to see different video game characters in his vision flashing as if they got invincibility power-ups. He's seeing these different characters appear. They're all doing those flashing lights we've all seen if we're lifelong gamers. At that point, whatever is behind him vanishes. Like I said, I actually believe this story to be true because of this detail. He says the thing vanishes. He goes, it didn't walk away. It didn't fly up. It was as if it deflated. It weighed less and less and less and less than it was gone. Now, Pato didn't know this. There's no way he could have known this. I have a story ready to go from uh, thinkaboutadocs.com. It was from July 18th, 1999 in San Antonio, Texas. A man was over at a woman's house. He feels something get into bed with him. He thinks it's the woman. He turns around and sees a basketball-shaped object underneath the blanket. And then he hears a noise. He said it sounded like a giggling, and he watched it deflate. He said slowly the blanket just went slowly, slowly down until it touched the mattress. That was the detail that made me really... I didn't think Pato would lie just right out the bat, but that detail has happened before. Is it possible that he went through all the Think About It Docs.com website and happened upon that? Sure. But when he told, when I was reading that story, I, I read that. I had that story ready to go. That happened. So, Pato, as you're listening to this, that is actually verifiable. That thing has happened before. It doesn't fly away. It doesn't blink away. It just deflates. It gets smaller and smaller. At this point, he turns on his television set to check the time. It's 2 a.m., so he had been asleep for a period of time. And he's sitting in his bedroom, and he's watching his television set, trying to think, make sense of everything that's going on, processing it. And then two things happen simultaneously. The television begins to flash a black screen at him. And he gets an overwhelming sensation to leave his room. He doesn't think about it. He just gets up off his bed and lets instinct carry him out into the hallway. He's outside of his room now and he thinks, okay, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I just need a drink of water. Maybe I should walk down this dark hallway and go into the dark kitchen to get a drink of water. I think that's where I heard that giant dog at. He begins walking through his house and he sees underneath his sister's bedroom door, her lights on. He goes in there and asks his sister, hey, I thought you were in bed. You actually went to bed around the same time I did. And he could tell something was off. She tells him, I, I just woke up. And they begin to compare notes. She said that she had a similar dream in that she was dreaming she was in bed somewhere else. She didn't feel the thing in her bed, but she was having a very disconcerting dream. And the key similarity was that she dreamt she was in a bed. She dreamt that she was sleeping somewhere else. 
And the way Pato kind of ended it there said she seemed distressed and she was just starting to settle down by the time he was sending me the email. So there may be some more details that either she's leaving out or he's leaving out, and that's fine. But it was definitely a distressing thing enough to wake her up as well. She didn't hear the dog either. I asked him about that. And then the next morning, he emails me again and says, I got some more information. There was a third person in the house who, at the same time, had similar experiences. Now, when he closed his eyes... He saw the flashing video game characters. When this other person in the house closed their eyes, they saw visions of their loved ones who had passed away already, standing before him in the darkness. And also said they had that feeling of dread, of despair, that Pato felt throughout his experience. That is the end of the story as of now. But there are a lot of hallmarks there of alien activity. I mean, it could be a ghost, obviously. But it's interesting because, again, what kind of verifies these type of stories is I had another story ready to go about a man who ran into a monster in Brazil, in Rancho Alegre, in Minas Gerais, Brazil. This was September 22nd, 1997. There's a man named Correa. He saw that there was some creature out near his hen house. And he pulled his gun out, and he's getting ready to blow this thing's brains out. And right before he pulled the trigger, he got a thought in his head. Maybe if I fire my revolver, the thing will make it explode in my face. And that moment of hesitation allowed the creature to run off. The implication being that that was a defense mechanism of this creature. Don't shoot me, your gun's going to blow up. We've actually had another alien encounter like that as well. I don't remember exactly what it was, but someone had a rifle. They were getting ready to shoot some sort of cryptid or alien, and they had a vision of the rifle misfiring and blowing up in their face. And the creature gets away. It was another story just like this, and that would be Pato's version as well. He could have turned around and punched this thing, but the thing was putting in his head, it's just a cat, man. You don't want to hurt your cat. Whether or not it's aliens or ghosts is definitely in the realm of the paranormal. And especially the fact that three people in the house had similar experiences around the same time make it less likely to be a dream or a waking dream. Actually, if all three of them had similar experiences and there was no contamination of the stories, it definitely couldn't be chalked up to being a dream. It would be some sort of force that was able to invade the minds of three people in the house at the same time. To what means? Who knows? Will it return? What will it do when it comes back? These are all questions we don't have any answers to. We're just going to have to wait and see if Pato keeps listening to the podcast. Because if he stops, we might have an answer. The creepiest stories take place where we should be the safest. Walking through the haunted woods, driving down a dark road. Kind of asking for trouble, right? Breaking into a haunted house, hanging out at a cemetery. But when you're asleep in bed... That's when things get truly frightening. Because if you can't even take part in the biological necessity of sleep, if you're afraid that the next time you go to sleep, this may happen again, it's just going to wear you down. And if it's happening to multiple people in the household, that's pretty serious. That's strong. It's doing it for a reason. But again, we don't know what that reason is. So, Pato, I wish you I wish you guys the best of luck. I hope the Duck family is able to make it safe and sound to the year 2021, at least to my birthday, October 4th. 
then, then whatever happens, happens, right? But no, I hope everything works out. It would be actually be really interesting to see, after listening to so many episodes of this podcast, if the paranormal activity in your own life has increased. I think we generate a lot of good, positive energy on this show, even when we talk about dark topics. I think people tend to come away with something, at the very least, entertaining. It tells a good story. The very most makes them look at the world a little bit differently. But if we're generating all this positive energy through this podcast, what if something negative doesn't like it? What if there's something out there that is looking to destroy the positive? So dear listener, as you're listening to this podcast and you shut it off for the night, just remember, just be aware that the very act of listening to this podcast may put you on some sort of paranormal hit list. Right now, there may be dark forces swirling to defeat this podcast. They may try to take you out one by one, because all the positive energy we generate is just too much for the Hellspawn. And dear listener, if the Hellspawn gets to me first, and I stop doing this podcast, and I disappear for months, nay years, and you happen to hear my voice on a podcast claiming to be from the eighth star of the Globus system, that's not me. Don't try to expose me as some sort of imposter. No. Just know that I fought to the dying breath against the forces of evil and did not sell out to get my own show on Gaia.com. Don't believe that. Do not believe your own eyes. It's just a cat. It's just a cat. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>